In this week's episode, I'm talking to Yves Klein from the Netherlands about how he got into sourcing, sourcing senior architects for Facebook, and why the Dutch sourcing community is so strong. Welcome to episode 27 of the Sourcing Challenge Show. I'm your host, Mark Lundgren. I started off by asking Eve how he got into sourcing. As, as all of us do, we uh, tend to wander around in uh, either university or not, and then figure out what it is you want to do. I actually have an HR background, which is something that I still benefit from every now and then, but I, I quickly sensed I was a little bit more tech interested in technology anyhow. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got my first uh, 386 uh, when I was six years old, and, and you know my dad said, go and play around with it. Uh, so um, I right after that, finishing university, I was like, what am I going to do? I saw, of course, an agency. I was like, I want to work. I needed to pay some bills, to be very honest with you. And I was like, screw that. I got to do something. Let's, let's, let's just start the agency work. And I was just baffled by the simple type of requests that would come in. And then the very, you know, I don't want to disrespect anybody. It was just like pretty mediocre talent that would, uh, you know, come in and that would solve their issue. Um, and then it would start all over again. And I just couldn't imagine that companies needed an agency for this. Like, I, I, it didn't make any sense. Plus, they had me wear a suit. Like, if anybody knows me, I'm not the guy for a suit at all. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, I look like a hobo half the time. So, um, I was like, no, nah, that's not going to happen. So, I left. Um, I joined, a, like, a startup at the, at the time, still is, uh, in, in Amsterdam at the time. So, I was living in the south of the Netherlands. Um, that was focused a little bit more on like some data insights into mm-hmm. larger target groups. Nothing compared to maybe the stuff I'm doing right now, but at the time it felt like super advanced to me. So I was like, let's get into that. So I learned a little bit more to, to focus on the data first. Just don't, you know, create your own bias based on some person you spoke to, but let's say you look at a larger group of data or people. What does that say? What are the trends there? How are they moving? How long their say somewhere? How are they called? Blah, blah, blah. Um, so I did that. And then there was a, uh, uh, a technology company and they built large lithography systems. They're called mm-hmm. ASML. Um, they cost a hundred million a piece. It's pretty uh, advanced stuff. Uh, like they, they, you know, they, I, I had to work there. At least they asked me, do you want to work on ASML? And I was like, yes, because that's absolutely what I love. So I was doing an RPO, driving from Amsterdam back to the south, you know, crazy hours, but I love doing it. Yeah, I, I woke up so early, it was ridiculous, but like I loved it. And they had me doing system architects. And that's basically the highest level of engineering. Um, so I work directly with uh, their VPs, SVPs of engineering on, on getting those inside. I was just amazed. Like I was 23, 22, 23, and I was like working with these people and I was like, wow, this is just sick. Like why do they even let me into this room, right? Why, why do you trust what I'm saying? But like I learned a lot about like physics, math, chemistry, mechanical engineering, mechatronics, and how it all works. And that's when I fathomed out, like, I actually really like system design. If, if, if it really comes down to, like, how is this moving about? And now that you ask me the question, I love it. I love the way things work together. And once they get more complex, how do you work with trade-offs? How do you shards? How do you cash? Blah, 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 blah. So part of that was software um, in, in this whole uh, shebang at ASML. Then at, um, yeah, I think two years later or something, um, my first buddies in life, at least one of them, uh, founded an e-commerce startup. Uh, mm-hmm. He's a CTO. And um, they, the guys always said when I went out for some beers, like, you should join us at one point. Like, how fun would it be if we could work together? You know, we know each other entire lives. So I was like, at one point I was like, all right, I'll listen. Um, so I left, joined them. Um, uh, at the time, it was a, a great bunch of people, a good selling product. Um, but 
little little process and tooling around hiring and mm -hmm. uh they hired mostly out of their own network and you know how these startups uh, start out and uh, <laughs> and sometimes it goes well sometimes you know not so much so given i had an hr background as well and just an interest in software and uh, technology i did both so yeah. i did hr recruitment first i ended up helping as a core team onto uh, the due diligence and the selling of the company. And it was an acquisition into an Excel-based uh, 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 backer. Uh, mm -hmm. And it is Lightspeed as a, as a, as a global uh, omnichannel retailer now. So I stayed on uh, doing a HR and I was a recruitment lead in EMEA. I uh, had a small team around me, but I was still doing all the dev teams. So I could, mm -hmm. you know, even though you had to hire for more, I do really see that if it's not, core engineering, I tend to lose some of my interest. Uh, so, so I had other people to, to basically help and, and guide and make more successful around me, but I did really miss spending all of my time on just deep diving on technology. Yeah. Um, so that's the reason why I left, uh, uh, you know, all of the uh, stock options aside, you know, it was great at the time, but I just, I left it all behind. Uh, you know, you, one would say that's a shame, but I just really needed to deep dive into technology again more than I was doing so. So I founded Maven. It's like my own recruitment uh, company. And I was working, supporting Amsterdam companies, um, uh, basically in the Netherlands, but mostly Amsterdam software companies on, on hiring. Worked at a, a, a fintech company called Backbase for a while. Um, and then uh, Facebook reached out. And I was always like, Facebook's going to do it or Google. I'm going to at least chat because mm -hmm. I'd be dumb not to, right? So <clears throat> they did it and I started chatting and I realized that as we were chatting, they sort of, you know, they look at what role fits you best, right? So at one point they fathomed out that, okay, the guy likes sourcing, you know, he likes to play around with some things and, and maybe he can do something that we haven't tried in EMEA before. So yeah. in the end, I got hired to hire our principal architect level, I'm not going to mention leveling here because like, there's tons of good recruiters that would love me to say this, but I'm not going to do it. Uh, as you know, uh, software engineers at Facebook only uh, feature the term software engineer, not leveling. I'm going to keep it that way. That's <laughs> uh, for you guys to find out. Um, but they've never hired principal architects in EMEA. They always send people over on an assignment. Mm. Uh, we needed to get those people in. And I was the first person ever to go and do it. And there was no, it was a blank slate. I had to get all my information from a small team in the U.S. Uh, that was working with, um, with, with C-level there and uh, senior leadership. I just fed them it all up. So process, tooling, the whole stakeholder management, lots of time zone stuff. It was, uh, it was interesting. I, I literally, I looked pretty bad after a year of doing that because uh, like when I, when I got back and asked that at Christmas, uh, people said to me, dude, you look insanely tired. I was like, I know, but you know, I'm doing something awesome. Like I love it. Like, so I needed a little break after a year, I have to say, but like, um, it, it did really work out. So I, I, at one point I was in a hybrid leadership role doing both the principal architects and then working in a small team on doing engineering leadership. And that's mm -hmm. where I sort of got a understanding of how I think this industry might slowly be changing in as far as, you know, I love tooling. Don't get me wrong. I, I love great tooling to make your life more efficient. Mm -hmm. uh, but I do think that from my perspective and, and what I see happening in my work is that most of my benefits that I've gained throughout my work has to do with a couple of things. And that's in part um, the sourcing and then being able to, to, to find and, local, and, and, uh, and, and localize some talent that is actually, you know, good to chat to. But there's this whole piece around engagement and stakeholder management 
and setting up interview loops and, and, and involving multiple people. At a certain seniority level in recruiting, you find that your role turns to somewhat of a project manager, yeah. whereas only part of your work comes down to uh, what they trust you to do, find great talent. But lots of time, because tool, tooling allows you to make more efficient, uh, 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 to do more efficient work, more of your time is spent on the engagement piece, which I think that I enjoy spending most of my time in doing like deep research into what people have been building. Like you never see me sending out more emails than 30 a week, 40 a week. That'll be absolutely my cap mm-hmm. um, because it just takes a long time for certain architects or leaders to fathom out. Why did you do a PhD back then? What did you build? If I look at all kinds of patent research, whether that's FPO, Google patent search, research gate, Justitia, EPO, like, what did you build and why? Where did you speak? Like, in what domain do you like to feel comfortable there? But like, really dig deep. And then when you reach out, like, really funny enough, like, I can't mention nor company or um, or uh, or person, of course. But just like an hour ago, I got a, a message from a leader again, going, you know, it's pretty sick what you're sending me. I've never seen this before, and it's like a leading tech company. And and they're like, why don't you join us? <laughs> I like, I, I fairly often get those things because what I realize is. Many people just still work the volume game. Mm-hmm. They know how to identify great people, but you're never going to hire top contributors from something by just sending an email. That, yeah. and, and like the people that would watch the show know this, but there's the difference between knowing it and acting upon it. And I still think there's a shift between people that still know it, but don't really act upon it. Like I really hope that, especially this community, um, that people dig deeper that people go the extra mile to figure out what are the reasonings. It doesn't matter whether you work at Facebook, whether you work for Uber, ignore the brand. Because all these people at one point are at such a comfortable position doing groundbreaking work that it helps to approach a certain, uh, I don't know, somebody who built a certain binary or whatever compiler, it helps. But at the end, they don't care anymore because they're doing something amazing. So what's gonna entice them out of this super comfortable environment, also open source wise, they're well respected in the industry. Why would they ever leave? And that comes down to your research and that comes down to engagement. Mm-hmm. I think that I'd rather spend most of my time there since I don't work high volume. Yeah. Uh, like last year in six months, I sent 256 or 257 emails, which got me eight offers uh, that were like really senior. Yeah. So, if you look at conversion and time spent, I think there is a whole piece of domain knowledge and a piece of engagement that I tend to focus more on. And I like really love great tooling that comes out. Like, you know, and I love the people that are huge advocates of that. I am as well. But I do think that over time, as you see certain involvements out of out of some prediction tooling that in a few years time will do a better job. I mean, they're predictive models, right? So they learn as people put in the data. You and I, click it. Um, so over time that will evolve into a point where any, I don't want to say idiot, but like any person out there could probably identify some, some pretty awesome people. And you don't need to know how to do SQL stack exchange to isolate a language and get top contributors. Like we know that now we think we're all that, but in a, in a few years time, that's not the case anymore. So if you don't make that switch towards that, like domain knowledge, understanding how systems work in my world, right? understanding large-scale distribution of data, understanding certain fundamentals, understanding trade-offs, and understanding how people grow an org around them. 
what is healthy, how servant leadership works, like all the things that are part of that. And all of a sudden, we're talking about something that some other source might say, nah, that's recruiting. But I don't think it is. Like, I think it starts right there. If you want to hire people there, your screen is going to be so important. The research you do, the way you screen, the information you get out of it, that's the only way how recruiters are even able to close on, at that level because they need all of the signal that comes in between. And that's just before you start engaging with your leaders, the sell calls, the what, we, what the industry calls exploratories, where we check out, is this mm -hmm. really as interesting for both sides? You know, there's a lot of stuff around it that mm, some other people might say, you know, I'm not sure if that's pure sourcing, but I do believe that it is. Um, and, uh, and that's basically the added benefit that I think that I can bring now currently to my clients. But, you know, it's also a little thing on its own uh, engineering leadership. Um, you yeah. know. I mean, what kind of tools or processes do you use to really, to be able to, like, to dig down into their experience? Or is it, is it very much kind of just looking at what you have and then digging down into those? Yeah, it's, it's I, I, I tend to sometimes think that I'm just not all the hype when it comes to tooling. I, I, a few years ago, I read this great article, Don't Jump the Hype Train. It had to do with all these front-end frameworks that kept changing. And I was working at Facebook, and, and Dan Abramoff, the Redux guy, uh, was working below me. And I basically asked him, like, how, how do you feel about that, right? All these new and changing things. And I was like, his answer basically also came down to, like, if you can write great JavaScript, like, the rest is just, you know. It's great, but you know, it's not, you know. So I feel sometimes that is the same thing for our industry, right? Being able to just work with search operators and file types if needed and, and switching up when, like I told you earlier, when, once I get stuck because indexing doesn't really give me great results in Google, then maybe other uh, search operators work well and then you figure out, oh, it does. And it's just playing around with that, but just really enjoying it, you know? Mm -hmm but losing wasting some of your time there but just learning something on the as you do it um so that gets me a long way and that's also how i figure out together with if they've ever worked on some patents or mm. if they ever did research in the past like in which, which domain is it or is it in a very broad broad scope and why is that and how does that now work out for some of the domains that we're working on so i'm reading a lot i spend like lots of time just reading and then some of my time typing Mm -hmm. uh, but that's basically how I look at it. So what do I use? Uh, sometimes custom search engines, depending on what I want to work with. But, you know, if you're really working on a specific domain and you want to upload an XML file with lots of keywords, uh, you know, so you can bypass the 32 in Google, then great. Um, or emphasize or, or get false positives out of it, uh, you know, mm -hmm. out of yeah. all those things. Um, data scraping, as, as you, uh, of course, know, sometimes... Uh, I uh, go to you for questions because uh, I want to do a better job, and sometimes you uh, really give me some good insights. So there's stuff there that I'm working with. Um, yeah, and, 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 and all of my other time is spent on reading about computer science, mm -hmm. to be honest, like understanding system design mostly because in my work, you balance out clear coding signal, which I'm, I, I can do certain classes in PHP and I can tell you about static analysis on those. And I've, did that, I've done that in the past, you know, where you just get people from GitHub, clone their repository, analyze them statically, and you can at least say something about the quality of code. But it's a very poor man's job compared to what an engineer can do, right? Or live coding. So what I focus more on is on the system design piece. How are things built? Why? There's tons of stuff that then is written about it through third-party sources, mm -hmm. all of a sudden this blows up or all of a sudden this company is doing big things. 
and then you learn and you know that certain people have a big dip into architectural decisions. So that's mostly how I, you know, enlighten myself a bit. Yeah. And I talk a lot to our leadership as well and to our architects, uh, whether, wherever that may be, whether that was on my time at uh, Facebook or now at my clients. That's how I uh, just learn a lot more. And then with regards to execution on it, uh, uh, lots of uh, bookmarklets to highlight stuff and move around quickly. Mix max to make sure I can set up uh, whatever um, uh, stuff in uh, with regards to email I need to do. Um, OSINT, if I get stuck on a person, I really don't know how to find stuff anymore. Great tool, of course. Uh, on GitHub, either coder stats or a hover card or something mm -hmm. to quickly get an understanding of things. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a mostly the stuff that I, I'd use. And otherwise, I just like, honestly, I Google people all the time. Just like, don't <laughs> presume that there's nothing because there is. You get like weird things or like weird hobbies. And I, I used to over pivot a bit on that. I, I learned that at my startup time where, where you don't really have a brand and you do want to talk about the repositories and you did the analysis on, on, on the repository. But in the end, you want to say something nice as well. I do. I, I switched a little bit because of working at Facebook also. Like you don't ever want to give the understanding that now you know all these things because why so i refrain myself a bit so i'm more pivoting towards the technical piece um and and yeah that's just where i spend my time i spend it takes a long time every week to do my reach outs uh you know and i have to explain all the time when i start out on a new gig like be patient this is gonna work but you need to just take time <laughs> my conversion will kick in uh, and, and you see that happening right now. We're getting good traction uh, fairly quickly on some roles now. So, you know, it, it, it's also about explaining to your surroundings how you do things. Mm -hmm. I've learned over time that as a source, you can do amazing things. And I sometimes see things in the industry where I go, wow, this is just very special. This is great. But as with tooling goes, and, 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 and you know this, like the, the equality really depends on the, the way you use a tool and the way you create acceptance from your surrounding about using these tools. Yeah. So like that will give you time to work and tweet time and all those things and that will reach you those results. Like some people do amazing stuff, but they just don't know how to frame it uh, either at a client or whether that client is your hiring manager or whatever. And then they lose out on some key momentum. And I think that could be solved by, by just explaining very clearly on why it is that you're doing things. Um, and also taking a, an honest, you know, really wanting to understand what you're hiring for. Mm -hmm. and this sounds so basic, but honestly, you'd be surprised. And, and I know you're not on, the, on how many people in the industry that don't really know what they're hiring for. Like, what do you think that an engineering leader is going to just accept whatever you're throwing at them and then just going to go, oh, yeah, great, I'll apply here. Like, no, they are, they are super critical and they have deep technical questions. And you need to be able to sort of frame it and, and, and have don't lie about it. Like you need, your answers need to be quite, you know, if you don't know, just say that you don't know and then yeah. you do the research, but like that, so that's my world mostly. So it, it's more of an engagement piece. Yes. I source people. Yes. I know how to find people, but it's very much around framing technology, getting the main knowledge in and engaging on the basis of that. I mean, obviously I haven't started in the Netherlands and then well, moving to the UK and, and I'm guessing doing other roles all over the place. What's been the kind of hardest, or what's been the big differences in the countries of the recruiting or and, and engaging in that? Hmm. That's a good question. I, I'd have to say that I, I rarely focus on, right now I'm starting to focus on specific environments, like mm -hmm. specific set of countries, sometimes a specific country. Um, I'd have to say that 
it does depend if you look at the APAC region, uh, how to do reach outs and how cultural understanding of that works. So if you look at big architects in, uh, in Asia working on certain things that, uh, that uh, a, a social media company might take interest in, then ways of getting there is totally different. My engagement levels just sincerely dropped a lot because it has to do a lot with people following a main architect and a mm -hmm. main architect who already either knows one of your board members or knows C-level. And, and like, it's really hard to penetrate it. Uh, people in uh, Eastern Europe tend to be sometimes a little bit more direct or, or they say they go and plan a meeting with you and then it takes forever for them to do it, but they are still just as interested. Yeah. They just take their sweet time to do it. Uh, like that, those are the things, but to be honest, given I source so much based on domain knowledge, I have to say that it, it, it just depends on the angle at which you start conversation. And that's around, is your scope correct? Yeah. Or do you know that your organization or your client can already open scope to something that is a little bit more broad than the words on a possible uh, 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 vacancy uh, mm -hmm. might tell you? So if you, know, if you know how to frame that, then the angle can always be okay. And then you just start a technical conversation about something about the why, the behind it all. Like, yes, we can all see people work at Amazon, Google, whatever, like start CTO, start like, yeah, okay, but okay, we know this, like it's there, like, yeah, you know, Twitter buyers tell you everything, like, why, why do you want to still talk about that? Like, what, why, why did they do it? Why did they build it? What did they add to the industry? Why did they wake up in the day? Why did they spend so much time in the weekend hours, even though they're leading 50 engineers, 100 engineers, 300 engineers, why do they still want to code? Mm -hmm. Why in this binary? And why did you do, like, I just want to know because I genuinely, and sometimes I think I'm overpipping towards where in my private life I'm less, it's ridiculous, but my girlfriend sometimes uh, uh, says this as well. I care more about people I meet in my work life and I really want to know. Like I want to know everything, like it's ridiculous. And then in my spare time, I sometimes can be a little bit like flat or something mm. where I'm just like, yeah, I know the people I really know great, but like I'm not the most socialist type guy in my spare time. Which is totally contradictive because in my work, I, I really, you know, I really think I want to know everything. Uh, yeah, it's funny how, how the brain works there. <laughs> so uh, being being back in the Netherlands and, and yeah, obviously restarting your, your whole having your company and, and not being uh, not being just with one customer anymore. What's uh, what's something interesting that you're working on that that really excites you? Yeah, honestly, uh, it's going to be a boring answer, but it's going to be engineering leadership. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I've done lots of IC hiring in the past. And, and of course, my stand at Facebook was, it's still an IC, but those people really guide an organization from a domain perspective yeah. uh, and then influence given large uh, open source contributions, influence in industry. So you're really looking at people that have a very large scope and that really really understand the more complex matter of computer science. And it's about having to deep dive all the time, understanding where a certain industry is moving, understanding why new products hit the market, understanding why certain companies get their funding. And then sometimes it comes down to what just a few people have built. Uh, and that's the, it's the puzzling piece that I like in combination with having a bigger scope. So like, I love, but don't get me wrong. I like hiring for just IC engineers. Uh, but at one point I think that, you know, you get well exposed to that and it's great. And you can really do a, an amazing job and, and create tons of value to your client, like really. But 
I think that sometimes what I've seen right now is this leadership piece becomes more and more, I don't know, maybe it's because people approach me for it. And now that my experience is there, you know, you get exposed yeah. to these assignments, but it feels to me like the industry sometimes still is working on getting people climb the ranks onto proper leadership. Uh, whereas just certain companies in the industry are very good at it. Mm. And then all of the other companies just really want people to join them. And we know how it goes on any level, but especially towards leadership, you see that there's just less people that have a thorough understanding of computer science can code out a proper diff if you ask them to now on a whiteboard or yeah. on a machine and can really guide a system design interview and talk you through all of its trade-offs that you can do great retrospectives on a code base and, and talk you through why this group of engineers under their leadership has done certain things, what the learnings were. The combination of all, not everybody can do that. Mm. So um, there's just a specific interest for me to find out what makes those people uh, tick and like why they are so good at it. And that's basically uh, yeah the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing today. When, uh, when you started your uh, career, where, where were some of the places that you picked up things and learned or was there any kind of influences that, that, that you looked to and, and that you just picked up things from? For sure. Um, like SourceCon, the day I found that was it changed my life. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's crazy. I, I think I met Jeremy a few years later on a conference in Atlanta somewhere in, a, in, in like a, a big hotel. And uh, I saw him, I was like, dude, you really, you really changed my life, man. I just want to thank you. Like, we drank beer together and I was just like, thank you, you know? Uh, so, so people like, like those, um, Willem Wijnans, who's a, a buddy of mine, back in the day, I think he was doing great stuff already, open sourcing lots of his work. Mm -hmm. I think he got me really interested to do better. Like he was my bar raiser at the time, I think. Yeah. Uh, now still other friends of mine, like I think uh, Shamila from the Thorin is doing great things. Like uh, um, Guillaume Alexandre, like yourself, like there's, there's tons of people that are just doing amazing stuff. And I think it's all around like surrounding you with the people that you can learn from and, yeah. and constantly being open to learn. I think that that's something that, for instance, you learn at, at a company like uh, Facebook, for instance, they, they hire people very much that are really, really excited to learn from others and I think at Uber that's the same thing but like I, I really got exposed to that at Facebook mm -hmm. it's like yes we work here great that's all fine but like I want people who are better than myself mm -hmm. working with me yeah exactly constantly looking to innovate constantly looking to learn constantly wanting to be the dumb person in the room well trust me if you're hiring principal architects with the people I was hiring I was by far the dumbest person in the room all the time so like it's around like exposing yourself to new ways of thinking the new tooling, the new processes, the failing fast, just understanding quickly why it doesn't work instead of figuring that out after a year. Speak to other people. They're doing great things as well. You're never the only person that does great things. So mm -hmm. in, in software, you saw this like years ago. Like when did open source come up? Why did open source come up? Why is recruitment not like – why are we oblivious to the fact – I mean – we are not necessarily us, but like there's a recruitment. How many people are working in recruitment? But how many people realize in software, the reason why these people do it is so that they can learn from each other. Either they work and they clone a repository and they build on that, or they ask a question on Stack Overflow or Quora or whatever. They learn. They have the natural way of wanting to learn more. And I think that 
sourcing is very much has the potential or is already doing the same thing. But I'd like to see more people coming up who feel less uh, daunted by the idea of, uh, I want to learn, I want to be open. Mm. I don't know a lot. Maybe you know much more than you think. Maybe you have a background for from something that we all don't know about that allows you to search in an amazing way. Uh, people that have been part of like Michael Bezel, for instance, like that guy worked at the FBI for 20 years and then he started writing books about like sourcing basically and it just blows my mind. They're so technical, like they, they, they blow half of us out of the water. <laughs> so like it's about just being open to it and, and, and listening to others and, and, and wanting to be in a vulnerable place, being mm-hmm. okay that you're in a vulnerable place. And like, it, it's not going to, I don't know, you're not losing face over that. Mm. I'm perfectly fine saying, I don't know how to do this. Yeah. If you teach me how to do this, that's amazing. Thank you so much. And if I can ever help you, please do let me know. Or if I think I have something sensible to share, uh, you know, I'll, I'll let you know. That's just a healthy, I think, mindset that in this industry is needed by, by default. Because you'll see as the market grows and as more people in the industry tend to just spam the market, you're going to get less and less response from the people you actually still want to hire. Mm-hmm. Because you get lost in a pile of emails. Whether you, whether you find and mine that, that private email, you get lost. And it doesn't matter. Like, you can have yourself a great proposition. They'll never find you anymore. So mm-hmm. it's about, like, I, I think you almost owe it to the industry to, like, do something sensible when you reach out. You know? That's yeah. what I sometimes feel. Like, I can ask in two reminders, really open and honestly, why did you not reply to me? Mm-hmm. I think I sort of shown you that, you know, I did my homework. I don't know, like explicitly put it in my email, but like <laughs> uh, people do really come back to me a lot. And like they all, the large portion of them acknowledges the fact that they have never seen this before. They are either really flattered and not moving, but happy to refer or, but you get tons of openings and you don't hurt the industry more and more than some of the other people in mm. our industry are doing. And I think that's just, I don't know, talking about holistic again. I think that that is very important when you're, when you're working in the space. Don't pollute it. And as you said, it's about not focusing on the number, like how many do I need to send out? But like the, the people that I've identified, how do I actually get to talk to all of them? Exactly, because like for some of my roles, my, my target group will, will, will grow only with 10 people a year. Mm. So, and, and let's say the initial target group is no bigger than 100, if you're lucky. Um, that leaves you with a hundred reach outs. So you, somebody can go, I did 70 reach out this week. What's that going to do? That's going to burn your pipe. Like, what are you going to do next? Like those people don't grow up the next week. They're not, they're just not senior leaders next week. Not the, the exact domain that you need doing exactly what you want. You need to like the moves, some, some, uh, I reported into a VP of, uh, HR at one point in North America. And she taught me like move slow to move fast. Mm. And that's something I still use today. Like, I think that's a very valuable lesson that I've learned. It's like, you can wind yourself up over the idea that there's so much data, so many people, so many things to reach out, do, and you can, you can lose your shit as a source. You can go, oh my God, I'm never able to cover it. Like, all these people are doing these amazing things and, and writing about all these different things I'm not doing yet. Relax, read, try to identify, you know, the baseline of what you're going for and then start to think about an approach and 
for most racks in the industry, that's a rack-based approach. And yeah. this stuff that I'm doing, it's a candidate level. You've built reach out. You think about the cells, the exploratories. You built a custom interview loop that caters exactly to getting the kind of signal that you want mm -hmm. with your leaders. And it's very much a back and forth that you do. And, and again, some people think, oh, yeah, that's a recruiter's job, right? No, in my case, that's very much part of the work that I do. And that's why a recruiter then has tons of signal that when it's time to represent a candidate at candidate review, there is signal. There is proper technical signal. And you can actually make a hiring decision. And that allows your counterpart recruiter, in my case, even I don't do a 360 role right now, to close that candidate. Yeah. No, because you, yeah, they have the right information. Yeah. And it's about getting as much of it as possible. And that doesn't stop after a screen. No, exactly. You know, think about the loop. Feel responsible for the end goal. Even though some companies might say, I get uh, a sourcer is, is, is uh, rewarded based on offer extends. Some people might say no offer accepts or whatever is the case. Um, I think you should handle it as if it's your responsibility just as much as the recruiter to get them mm -hmm. hired. Yeah. And I expect for my recruiter counterparts to think the same way, to actually maximize every possible option and trust your recruiter um, a lot to, to maximize the opportunity because again there only there might only be a hundred of which out of a hundred that year only 15 want to chat to you yeah that's 15 opportunities go through the the, the pipeline look at conversion rates what's gonna leave you with maybe two options three options to close if you're lucky you need them like if you lose them some companies might not be able to roll out a certain pro product in a, in a certain region because that's, again, what I'm looking at. Like, it's not some engineer and a team. No, no, no. It's people guiding large, multiple teams or an organization. Yeah. If you don't have that, that loses my client or my company. That makes them lose a potential uh, market opportunity. And, yeah, if you look at it from that perspective, those reach outs are uh, freaking important. Tell me about the Dutch sourcing community. Um, it's, one of the, it's one of the biggest in Europe. Um, really? What's... what's <laughs> What's kind of been your experience with it? How has it been built up since you started? And, and what's it look like today? Yeah, it's, uh, like I'm very happy to be part of uh, the Dutch sourcing community. Uh, uh, I think a few years back, when I got exposed to it more and more, uh, I found that uh, you know, we, have a, we have a little group in the Netherlands, Slackers and Hackers, and uh, I'm one of the admins. So it's a group of four of us. And um, uh, James, a guy from Katowice, uh, started it. You know, it, it sort of mimics the DBRs and, mm -hmm. and all of that. Only I sometimes check, like, the same question I ask on DBR, and then I ask him <laughs> in my own community. And my own community is just very bought into wanting to find an answer. So we have tons of great sources. Mm. And I constantly meet new ones that I go, wow, you, you're doing great things. You're actually really giving me a solid answer. And even though it might not sometimes work, it gives me a new insight to something. And I can either cross out a certain path that I know just doesn't work there. Yeah. So it's a really bought into environment, I think. I mean, I, last time I checked, there were like 300 plus members in it. And, and there's really great contribute, uh, contributing happening there. So to be honest, like we do re fairly regularly, we do meetups. Uh, I'd like to do more of them. And, and, and uh, we're chatting, I'm, do uh, I'm doing a new one now as well. Sometimes people meet up in smaller groups as they really mm -hmm. want to uh, focus on a certain tool. Um, so and that's when, you know, the Enrico Heidelbergs and again, the Shamilas and the Willems and all those people and Marcel van der Meer. Uh, like, like those people, they take a good, healthy interest in, in wanting to really know 
Uh, and I learned from those people. So yeah. having those people around you is just an enrichment to anyone. And I think that if you just look at it like that and you have great people around you and you learn from that constantly, even though I'm working out of my own company on some assignment, it might be that I work with these people in the future. And, and knowing that the, the level of talent that is out there, that's just really exciting to me. And the fact that people just really don't want to keep it to themselves, that they just open source it and just go, you know what, I can learn from that. Like, again, I'm going to mention Samila a lot, but if you look at her open sourcing of her whole tool belt the other day, I mean, she sent it to me like a little bit earlier even, and I read through it. I was like, damn, like, you got yourself a ton of sources. Like, wow, you, you really learned at like an extreme rate. Um, that's just badass. I think that, you know, if we only have like 10x the amount of people that would do that, yeah. like that would guide our industry. And again, don't pollute the industry. You learn an excessive amount of these people. Embrace it. Try and better your game. So mm -hmm. that tomorrow, when you look back and you go, oh yeah, three years ago, oh, yeah, yeah, I thought it was all that, right? I knew nothing. <laughs> like, because I learned from all these people and I go to these conferences and, you know, it, it just creates, it's such a, you know, wealthy environment of talent and it doesn't relate to just the Netherlands. Like there's tons of great people in Europe. Yeah. And I just hope that we can unite that a little bit better. Cause right now there's all these little islands, right? Mm. Us in the Netherlands might do some great things. You're doing great things. Some people in Eastern Europe doing great things. We meet up well, a few times a year. Uh, last time we, we physically met was at sourcing summit in London. Um, when's the next time right like i'm supposed to deliver i'm supposed to be delivering a presentation on the sourcing summit in october in amsterdam uh earlier in the year i was supposed to do that in germany that didn't happen for various reasons so <laughs> i will not get into that but um now it's happening uh and and for next year uh i saw i was invited to speak on sourcecon as well so like i'm gonna have to fathom out what it is that I, I'm still thinking about it. I'm still talking to people about it, but that's again, what I do. I check and balance some of the stuff that I'm thinking about trying to figure out what is of value. Mm -hmm. Cause sometimes I don't know. And that, that's with young people that maybe may have great ideas about sourcing, but just don't know how to verbalize it yet. I sometimes don't do not know if there's any market for the stuff that I'm doing and whether anybody can learn from it. But I think that like, you said to me is at one point as well, right? Like yeah. sometimes you just don't know, but there might be people around you that could really, get exposure to all of these domains all of a sudden that they don't know. And then it's great to have something of an environment, either people or, 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 or I don't know, some open source community where, where you can find information, like, like mm -hmm. stuff like that. That's great ideas. Right. So I'm just making my way talking to other people who I think are, are delivering great things who I can learn from who are better than me and things. And, you know, trying to make sure I don't pollute the industry. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> If people want to keep in touch with you and see what you're, what you're working on and what you're writing, um, how can they best do that? Well, there's some social channels and, uh, and like my buddy Willem Weinels once uh, effed me a little bit by writing uh, an, art, an article on mining all my social information. Uh, if you find that Medium article, you for sure will be able to reach me, but there's tons of ways. <laughs> uh, um, just my first dot, my last name at gmail.com if you need anything on uh, um, any questions on tooling, anywhere you're stuck on, like, you know, anything you just want to ask me, like, I'm very open to share, uh, anything that I can share. Like I will refrain myself from customer, uh, <laughs> uh specifics. If anybody's trying uh, anything with regards to leveling or domains, like that's on you to find out as a source. <laughs> I see that as the challenge. Um, but anything with regards to the way it can help the way a, you need me to look at a process or want feedback on a tool. Sometimes I get like tools that just reach out to me probably to you as well. So like, do you want to review this? What do you think? Happy to do so. 
follow me online, add me anywhere. Very happy to, 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 to take a look. Thank you very much. Um, Thank you. And yeah, talk to you soon. All right, talk soon, man. Thanks.